So we just finished watching season two of Rebels. I think for clarification, it was episodes 16 to 22? Yep. Yeah? All right, cool. I got that right. And yeah, so we just, I mean, I don't know, Chris, what you're feeling. I'm just going to let you react instantly if you'd like, and I will just respond to your comments. Okay, so we start we start off with a few episodes where I where I thought, yeah, okay, that's nice, and uh, but it's not nothing that I think is super interesting. And then of course we get three episodes that are very interesting, and right? we get we get a lot of uh, familiar faces. I kind of saw it coming in a way, like they tried to be mysterious about who that hooded figure is, for example, but I could tell very, very quickly. I feel like that they weren't really trying, right? So as soon as you see his face, you know it's Maul. Yeah, but they, they try oh, a little spoiler bit. Spoiler alert, everyone. I think I've said this for at least a season, but I just waited for Kanan to die, especially after seeing how much he pushes Ezra in that training scene. I thought like, okay, he's he's gonna die. But I mean, something happens to him, but he he's not dead, not dead yet anyway. I mean, yeah, not all the consequences have to be death. No, no, but in in a way that would be easier. I like I like this. You're you're officially rooting for Kanan to die. So, sounds good. <laughs> no, I I'm not I'm not rooting for him to die. But it's just I need something to upset this. What what these first two seasons have been because overall i just didn't find them that engaging how can you say that you just watched ahsoka fight vader like i said overall there are some (laughs) episodes and like the last two episodes and like episode 18 notwithstanding fine apart from that that's uh, like i would say uh, obviously like those episodes are are like very very interesting but apart from that, I'm still pretty mad about the show. But now, now I have hopes because they just set up a lot of interesting things to come in the in the latter half of this show. So I'm very curious what uh, the next two seasons will be. My question for you is: What do you think the these episodes or this they have set up for the second half of this show? Uh, that's a very good question that I should have seen coming, but I. Totally did I mean, not. you're the one who mentioned the fact that they've set up stuff for the second half. Yeah, but I like I I'm I like actively avoided thinking about it because that just sets sets ex- expectations. But it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, what happens with Kanan, like he how he how he deals with his injury and what that means for Ezra and Hera as well. What he can do, Ezra, obviously, like he is. I mean. Just the very last shot was very interesting as well with him kind of very much embracing his dark side, I would say. We have we have new we have just very fan, fantastic antagonists. Ahsoka obviously has to grapple with some things. We got got to see all the other crew members too, except for Sabine. We got got more of them in this in these episodes too. So I'm just curious what that means, what Callus is going to do. Because they're kind of hinting at maybe a redemption arc of some sort. Um, but of course, the big thing is Maul and Vader and Ahsoka and Ezra. 
and possibly Kanan. And all of that is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to... to um, I mean, if Ahsoka is still alive, I don't know. I must assume he is, she is. So, uh, uh, but yeah, the the show doesn't answer it. But obviously, later shows have done so. And uh, what if if she tells Rex about it, for example? That's going to be interesting. It's all fascinating. It's all fascinating to hear what you have to say. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, cautiously optimistic for the latter half of this show. I don't want to be like all down on this show, but it's just like, it's not that good in my opinion. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. No, no. It's, it's, it's also like, it's, as we said, when we were talking about visions at some point, that the content that's coming out of Lucasfilm at this moment is so good. And this is something from a previous era of Star Wars. So it is sort of unfair to be grading it or watching it in conjunction with some of the other stuff that's coming out. So it it's 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 almost impossible to to see it from a different perspective of the time that it's in, but there are nuggets of each of these episodes that are interesting and really fun, I guess. Maybe not fun, but um ha- are consequential or have depth to them and mm that's you know all we're really looking for in a star wars show fundamentally um there are so many more little things that are just not apparent in this show just because of its overall quality it's not at the same level of any of the other shows that we watched and that's it's fine right it's just it's not has has really exciting stuff though in it so i have to yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're coming at me with a very different energy than I was expecting. I was expecting you to be more excited about Ahsoka uh, and Inv- Invader. I and mean, I, I just I I will be excited when we talk about. It. I just don't want to uh, front load it, right? Uh, front load all you want. That's okay. The whole point of this is, whole thing is a uh, an exercise in us doing whatever the fuck we want to do. I was talking. I was thinking we just talk about Ahsoka first. Yeah, I mean, great. We, we let's, go by let's, characters, let's, anyways. Let's yeah, 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 for for sure. I mean, holy shit. Like that yes. that just like the emotional core of this is just like, oh man, when when Vader calls out Ahsoka. And, oh, and so like good. she she realizes that uh, you know what she said two minutes earlier that it can't be Anakin. And then she realizes, oh, it actually is, and uh, or was in some way. And then ah, it's just devastating to watch. Especially it's, because we've we've seen this scene before when Ezra and her look at the basically like the training video that Anakin did. Mm-hmm. That that was the first heart, small heartbreak moment, and then obviously we get the show off with uh, with Vader, not just Vader, also with Maul to see him again. And maybe maybe you know more about the timeline because I assume that this is before Clone Wars season seven. Am I right? No, no, no. Well, this is made Clone Wars before Clone Wars even seven, but this is yeah. all set after Clone Wars. No, I know. Obviously, it's set after. Obviously, yeah. it's set <laughs> after it. I would just mean in terms of real world production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way before. Yeah, okay. it's like five years before or something like that. Yeah, this okay. is like, yeah, I forget the exact year, honestly, but um, yeah, all of Rebels, this entire show concluded before Disney Plus was a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like Ahsoka and this one and. 
because we can see it even in episodes 18 right like she grapples with anakin because she it's kind of similar to ezra in a sense where he didn't know for sure what happened to his parents and ahsoka wasn't 100 percent sure what happened to anakin yeah and uh, so that's kind of a nice parallel there i'm just curious to see what that does to her because yeah she she might just now be very downtrodden or maybe just very motivated to i don't know well you knew based on the conversation that she has with grogu and the mandalorian that she has to have known it's it's, by that point in time she knows that anakin is darth vader yeah so the question is how does she find out and in what context and Mm -hmm. and this is it this is how you know she has assurance that vader is anakin skywalker and i guess is one of the few people now in the galaxy that actually knows that and it i found what's one of the most affecting parts of her arc through these episodes is the vision she has in episode 18 Mm -hmm. where you see fundamentally the guilt she holds over leading the jedi order and how everything could have changed potentially if she hadn't done that you abandoned me is what anakin says in that vision it's so affecting and obviously the vision is a reflection of our own emotional state so it's all like she lives with this guilt that she's the one who left and left everyone behind and it's you know survivor's guilt is a real thing and she carries that with her and when in when she is when she does end up facing vader she tells him once she finds out once she hears anakin's voice through the voice uh, enhancer or whatever when she hears his voice calling her name out she she declares she will not leave him not this time Mm. and confronting that guilt that she has and trying to amend that by sticking it out this time and not leaving it's just such an effective um character it's just so beautiful it's a beautiful story for her journey and also her reconciling with herself it's uh, i love this i love ahsoka so much (laughs) and you know these episodes are just so rife with her and everything that she uh you know can be with vader like uh, so good when she was talking about yeah usually we just go to like master mr obi-wan or yoda and they would tell us what to they'd always have a plan that works or most of the time anyway uh, that was yeah the good old times yeah it's funny and the two people she noted were the two people who are actually still alive yeah yeah it's great but she also she also went into how how the clone wars basically broke yoda in a sense i really like that honestly i thought that was a beautiful statement on yoda because you can kind of feel it yeah so yeah i definitely like all of this like every everything that I mean, I always like when Ahsoka is there, but I found this to be like the highlights of this show so so far anyway. I so. mean, that, that this is the highlight of the show. So yeah. this is the reason to watch this show is <laughs> these moments here and there that we learn about Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, and that is, I was wondering because the be- the show, the, the episodes that I like most are the ones where there are characters that we already know. Yeah. It's kind of cheating, but also... A little bit of an indictment of the other characters because i mean of course they can't really live up to ahsoka but 
there, 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 I think there's just a very wide gulf between these characters in terms of how invested I am in them. And of course, I've seen seven seasons of Ahsoka, but I don't know. We we see that in in like good shows and good movies all the time. For like even the uh, the um, the the sequel trilogy, like how quickly there were like very distinct characteristics of all of the characters and how much we cared about them. And they ha- like in this show they have way more time than that. Of course, they're still limited by the like twenty minute runtime. And I must assume there's probably a different amount of resources at play here. But yeah, the, most of the characters don't really change that much, which is something that I don't like. Like they change for an episode or two, but then they just go back to being their normal selves. And that's kind of unfortunate, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I would argue that Ezra does change fundamentally through these first two seasons from where he is now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's still, like, a little bit annoying, but that's one of his characteristics, but as a teenager. But he does fundamentally change, I would say. Mm. I think the problems with that along those character lines lie with Kanan, and in the sense that he is a character that is set up to have some growth and to change, yet kind of never really amounts to much, honestly. I mean, Sabine is like a mystery character that we don't really know much about that we need to explore more of. Zeb is... Zeb's a very interesting character in the sense that, like, he's just like the silly brute character. I think the typical um, caricature caricature of the strong person who is maybe not the most intelligent and has some development of a background, but you're right. I but I don't think that type of character, that character, that caricature is one that we expect much central change because he isn't one of the central characters, even though he isn't part of the group, right? And Hera doesn't need to change. Hera's perfect, but I, I <laughs> yeah. think it's I think a lot of the those problems distill specifically to Kanan and his, as you said, lack of fundamental change or or. You didn't say that word. You didn't say it like that, but lack of change on a consistent basis. Well, sorry. Yeah, he'll change for like an episode or two and then come back. Obviously, this he has to change now that he yeah, can't say. Yeah. even see. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, that, that was nice, though, with the mask and everything. That was great. Yeah. And I like that callback to the vision that he's had. Because mm-hmm. he's wearing the same mask of the Jedi Temple Guards yeah. that he faced off in his own vision. So there are there there's set up for Kanan to change and I hope that I think well at least my hope is that Kanan alone if he if they're able to develop him then the other characters will kind of follow suit or the whole show kind of fits more into place and I think the show in my mind is also lacking a big ba- I know Vader is the big bad but the, a big bad like an imperial big bad if that makes yeah. sense so um like the military equivalent to vader because one of the things that's cool about star wars is you always have the the military like the tarkin to the vader right um and we don't really see much of that we see tarkin at the beginning of this season right and then it kind of just disappears Callus is there 
but he, um, does, he never really is able to fill that. I mean, I, I also don't think that that's the goal of him as a character. Exactly. In, in and I show. think, he, yeah, I think the Zeb Callus episode, we'll talk about that later, is a very, um, it's, it's pointing that character in a different direction, potentially. Mm. Um, but it's like, and the Inquisitors, uh, they just don't do it for me. They're just you know, too they're, bland. Yeah, and they're we they're just not menacing at all. So no. it's and now like, they're dead anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's Vader or bust basically, and yeah. I think they're they need um like either you know bring Tarkin back or some other sort of, and I don't think Tarkin would even work. I think you're totally right that they need another one. Um, most of all because you can't have Tarkin or Vader because we both know they're going to survive all of this. And like exactly. we know what's going to happen to them yeah. at some point, and I think yeah. that's that's why that's that would be a bad idea. So I think that there's a, that that's a big problem with this season so far, or these this show so far is that it needs a big bad, and it needs Kanan to become better. <laughs> Honestly, mm -hmm. just like do better, Kanan. Um, yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> If, now when i say it and this person is actually going to be the big bad you will have to do a good amount of acting now but i would love there to be like some moff gideon thing oh moff gideon yeah if he does if he shows up later now now that was very good acting on your part i just want to say for the record and uh, <laughs> uh, because that's be another really interesting thing idea for sure yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like some, somebody maybe we already know that'd be fun. Yeah, it's like tying into, but isn't that the, the maybe even Thron? Isn't that the oh. point though against what you were saying with like, um, like you want to have someone whose future is uncertain? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's another question about. Oh, okay. Should it be someone completely new? That's interesting. But I mm. guess in the Clone Wars, we also didn't have anyone who was particularly uncertain, and the on all the sides right yeah the only one we had was maul where we kind of had the reverse because we already knew his backstory yeah i guess uh, and that that was pretty cool i mean i guess from our point of view we already knew where he was going to end up because we saw solo but yeah true i mean that that's that's not the show's fault yeah it's also it's a very different thing i i yeah there's like definitely new things that i want to see from these next two seasons that are coming up and we're we are officially halfway through the show which is good and one thing that i've noticed and i, I noticed this at the very beginning but it's it's even more stark having watched divisions i think and coming back to this it's like whoa the animation is not great <laughs> it's very yeah. like fluffy i don't know how to say it mm. other than that it's it's hard to deal with sometimes. Um, it's just very choppy as well. Like it's 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 not very fluid motion. Yeah, it's very mid two thousand. I guess it's twenty sixteen. Season two is. I looked it up, and it's like it's a very weird computer graphics. It's like not nearly as good as season seven of Clone. It falls within the Un Uncanny Valley for sure. <laughs> it's like this because season seven of Clone Wars is beautifully animated, right? Yeah. And I think they went with a different palette here, a different style that it reminds me of more of a childish show. And I know that's like, I, I shouldn't be judging 
we have talked about this before about how the uh the tone of the show is also more child like childish yeah. in a way yeah so that yeah. would fit that yeah as well like with things like the, the like helicopter rotating lightsabers of the inquisitors like stuff like that, that that's just ridiculous yeah the eye roll that i gave was so big when <laughs> i yeah. saw that i'm just like oh God, yeah me. yeah the first time it kind of passed me by and then i was like wait a second have we seen this before is this just why why is this happening but um yeah, maybe do you can we talk a little bit about Vader and Maul? Sure, please. I think I want to start with Maul because I so here's the thing. I knew he was going to come up eventually. Just really? because yeah, okay. because the Disney Plus when whenever I click on uh on on the show, on the show, like the the and the the image is of of certain characters including Maul. So they spoiled oh, it for me. Oh, that's so... What the fuck? I know, I know. And like a... like a Now in retrospect, maybe like a like a different Kanan with a beard and a short-haired Ezra. And yeah, they, they just super are super spoily with that. Oh, that's such a dick move. Yeah, because otherwise I would not have seen this coming. And now again, I was just waiting for him to show up in a way. And uh, yeah... So I knew he was coming at some point, uh, but I I love that he does it in this fashion and how he presents himself here too about like, I am an enemy of the Sith or rather the Sith are my enemies and his speech that he gives and all the speeches that he gives here are just amazing. I love He so steals much. the show again. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. So good. And the voice acting. Holy shit. It's. I want to be his apprentice now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but even even that that exact um, that exact scene where he says that uh, where he refers to Ezra as his apprentice, that was just like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's happening because he he is tempting Ezra the same way that Palpatine is tempting Anakin and and Luke later with the kind of words where he talks about like the passion and like unleashing what's inside of him and you have been given this gift for one reason to use it and then even the um kind of the equivalent of the dooku execution with one of the inquisitors right where he he tells ezra to kill her where as opposed to anakin ezra does not kill yeah yeah he obviously he's also just a badass fighter uh he kills all of the inquisitors and just his overview as well. He knows Vader is coming. He knows he has no chance against Vader on him on his own. And he knows exactly where he's at, what he can do, and what he can't. And he's just cool. He's just, yeah, one of the best Star Wars characters ever created. And if you had told me two years ago that I would say that, I'd be saying, are you out of your mind? <laughs> because <laughs> I've only ever seen him in one movie. <laughs> Or like two, I guess, including Where Solo. Where he barely says anything. Yeah. I agree, though. It's Maul and Ahsoka are two of the best like, Star Wars characters ever. And they're primarily animated. And that is an amazing thing. And it just goes to show how awesome a live-action Ahsoka show is going to be. When, when Maul sees Ahsoka for the first time, um, they had a really great exchange when Ahsoka asks him, uh, what game are you playing? And uh, Maul says, the end game, Lady Tano. And I was like, oh man, four words. And I, I have shivers down my spine. Yeah, 
it's so good. Oh. And when he refers to uh, to uh, Ahsoka as a part timer, that was uh, that was a laugh out loud moment <laughs> for me. It's it's just very interesting seeing him interact with Ezra as well. Yeah, especially because we get the foreshadowing of Ezra's pull to the dark side mm. with with the vision that Kanan has. Yeah. And obviously that's paid off a little bit at the very end of the episode where we see, or the very end of the season, where he opens the Sith holocron, which Ahsoka tells him that a Jedi can never open that. That's exactly why that's such an intriguing thing. But I mean, we'll get to this later, but I just, I still don't like or care about Ezra. So I yeah. don't give a shit about what he does. <laughs> in the sense, like I would in a way prefer him going over to the dark side because then i would just say yeah fuck him anyway so <laughs> yeah it's very interesting how like it because a lot maybe the difference between clone wars and rebels can also be distilled down to ahsoka's great and ezra's not yeah and if your lead character in your show is not interesting or not great then it hampers your ability to be invested in the show. If every time he talks, he's just an annoying little brat. The same problem with Kanan. They're basically the two central characters here, and they are both the least interesting <laughs> to me. And of course, like we all love Hera, and Hera is the actual star of the show. But you know, she doesn't get like any anything close to to those two characters in terms of screen time and like also dialogue. Yeah, and so, okay, now that we're halfway through the episode, or through the season, or through the show, god damn it, do you want to, and I guess this is a rhetorical, do you want to, can you please rethink or re-rank the six members of the ghost crew in terms of your level of interest with them? Why do you do this to me? <laughs> like, why do you ask me during the show? Because I only ah. think of it during the show. This is what oh, I okay. do. Give me a second. Because I'll have to think of this as well, obviously. What do you got? Number six is definitely Ezra. Yeah. I don't care about him at all. He's just a... He's basically like Anakin is in the prequels. Just a whiny little teenager. And I just can't stand that at all. And it just really gets my goat every time like I see a strategy meeting and he's there and it's like, why the fuck is he there with Rex and Sato and Hera? He doesn't belong in this. He doesn't deserve to be in this group. I love your hatred for him. Yeah. I, he, is, he is like maybe like together with uh, uh, Pre Vizsla and uh, what are the, the other two annoying people? The Oh, the fuck. Um, uh, the guy from the banking clan and the yeah. the little shit that's the sen the one of the separatist senators' son. Like those four are probably my least favorite Star Wars characters ever. That's uh, amazing. I love that. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's only the center of this entire show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's definitely part of why I don't like this show to, this show that much because I just don't care about him. Um, Clovis, yeah. Clovis, yes, thank you. And the other and one's Lux, Lux Bonteri. Bon yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what's your number six? Same, Ezra. Yeah. I don't have a hatred for him like you do, um, but I just I'm like, ugh, whenever I see him. Basically. Yeah. I just yeah. Okay, number five is. Uh, 
I mean, okay, my number five, the way that I just ranked uh, them was Kanan, but I think that's maybe not fair. Because there are interesting things. I just wish this fucking show would act on it. Like, he has so <laughs> much potential to be an interesting character, but it just it's, they always hint at it, and then they explore it a little bit, and then it's like, nah, let's let's focus on something else. Like, just when it starts to get interesting, they, they they obviously have good ideas. They just never follow through on it, and I'm like, that's like I I'm I don't like Ezra, and I, but I like Kanan. I just don't like the uh, decisions, the creative decisions, the uh, the team behind this show has made about Kanan. And that's kind of frustrating in a different way. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean there. Yeah, my number five is uh, Zeb. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zeb is funny and interesting, I guess. But I get um, there's, as you said, I guess more potential for Kanan. And there is, I don't know how to say it other than he intrigues me a little bit more. Yeah. Than Zeb. My number four is Chopper. I love Chopper, but he is just... He's great, as he always is, but it's not like I'm... Like, he doesn't have a character arc or anything. He doesn't have... I mean, I guess he has an interesting backstory that we explore a little bit here, but it's he's also an asshole, which is, like, which is fun, but sometimes he does it a little bit too much. Um, I don't know. I like Chopper, but... And it's always fun to see him, but it's not like he adds any emotional depth to this uh, to this show <laughs> um my number four is kanan mm-hmm. uh, for similar reasons that you mentioned as well now now that now this is going to be a surprise because my number three is sabine yeah oh wow yeah i know i didn't see that coming either but oh. uh <laughs> We just haven't seen that much about her. I am really intrigued by her, and obviously she's Mandalorian, which is interesting, and we get a little bit of the backstory with being in the uh, Academy and everything. But the one the one f- episode that's kind of focused on her this season, I didn't care about at all, like mm-hmm. with her friend. That was oh, just... Oh, with Ass, who's back, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, I don't care about this. This is just very, very boring to me. And so again, like with Kanan, there's a lot of potential here. They just don't explore it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what number am I at? Three. three. Yeah. So my number three is Sabine mm-hmm. as well. Maybe that'll be surprising. Um, I like Sabine. I think that she's the only intelligent one in the group other than Hera. Yeah. And that is something that is very valuable and has she also has emotional intelligence as well like mm. by like she tells Kanan that asshole go talk to your girlfriend you're about to leave her just yeah. like have a conversation with her and Kanan's like what? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I do really really like Sabine. So uh Zeb is my number 2 maybe because of recency bias because we just had an episode that goes more into his character. And now now that we've... I mean, I didn't like the whole thing, the prophecy episode at all, but I liked the glimpses that we get into his his past and what that did to him and what was done to him. And I think, again, he, he could be very interesting as well. And yeah, he is kind of that, that like, tropey uh, muscle 
that's just not very smart but i think there could still be a lot of interesting things to be explored and yeah so i hope they will show something uh in the in the future and yeah i'm kind of surprised that he is number two yeah i'm surprised as well but honestly i really like zev and i like that episode with callus the one-on-one episode and there's two episodes that are primarily focused on like one-on-ones so there's the honorable ones episode 17 and episode 19 the forgotten droid both of which per uh, basically put pit one of our characters against a member of the empire in you know and in a one-on-one relationship and i really do like the that episode with zeb so i i see why you he's moved up your rankings a little bit so i think it's very interesting for me it's like the top there's like of these six characters it's kanan and ezra are just really down and then there's a huge gap and then it's the top four basically i i kind of like them generally speaking Mm -hmm. um and maybe even the three in the middle. The, yeah, three in the, the middle and one. one at the top, of course. Yeah. So my number two is Chopper. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so whew, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> so I actually would argue differently. I think Chopper does have a character arc in the sense that he actually becomes less assholey and learns to trust a little bit more in his yeah. comrades. I think it's hard, obviously, to see that because he's not the one vocalizing his own comments. But as he goes through, he does become a little bit less assholey. He is still like quippy and is still kind of like the fuck. And what I've noticed is that when it's Kanan or Ezra responding, because we don't hear what Chopper says, obviously, but often it's Kanan and Ezra who are responding to him. It's annoying because it's coming out of Kanan or Ezra's mouth. (laughs) But when it's other people responding to Chopper, like when it's Hera and Chopper or when it's AP5 and Chopper or when it's other people, it's, it's really interesting. And I find him great in that way. I also, I love that episode between AP5 and Chopper, or mm-hmm. I just love the two of them as a, as, a, as a duo. So there's stuff going on there. He has friends and that's funny. So yeah, I love Chopper. So he's definitely my number two. Yeah, he's great. I love Chopper. Um, obviously, our shared number one is Hera because the nobody, queen. nobody can get close to Hera. Honestly, she's amazing. She just like dunks on everyone she's in front of and... Uh, Fuck everyone else. Hera's the bomb. The really question, I mean, obviously, oh, like it's <laughs> no, no. Oh, <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh shit. I'm like digging myself into a hole. Yeah. Oh man. I'm not gonna. No, bring up. but to 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 answer the not asked question, no. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. We're we're on the same page there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have become one rashad this is strange <laughs> honestly though we do have like a great holy trinity of like female leads with yeah, hera ahsoka great. and uh, omega like yeah. the three of them uh, are even though we only have one season of omega she's she's so also far. the bomb so far so it's uh yeah it's a great you know show for star wars with these um women running all these shows so yeah good on them and remember when we talked about the bad batch there obviously was the uh the episode with omega and and hera and i said wouldn't it be great if they just like formed a pair and then just had adventures together what if it was ahsoka joining them and it's just the three and maybe chopper wouldn't that be like that would be the height of my entire life it's never gonna happen and we don't know what happens to Amiga, whether she's actually still alive at this point. But 
Uh, that would be very interesting. If they kill off Omega <laughs> in season two of Bad Batch, I oh doubt my it. God, I doubt it. It's like it's it's the Baby Yoda scenario. It's like you can't yeah kill him off. You can't kill off your like cute little MacGuffin. Oh my God, I never I never thought of her that way. It's well, how how have I not <laughs> thought about her that way? That's incredible. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Because she actually I, talks. Yeah, I think so, and she has like more agency that way. And she does more stuff. And she, yeah, she can express emotions more directly, I guess. Well, yeah, she is like, she's not, Grogu is the MacGuffin of all yeah. time. Yeah. MacGuffin Omega of has powers, like, maybe. exactly. O- Omega is like in between a MacGuffin and she's between Baby Yoda and Ahsoka in that way, where she has some agency, but not <laughs> wow, a total that's quite amount. A spectrum. Right. Yeah, actually, that's a huge spectrum. <laughs> she's like oh, smack dab man. in the middle. Good for her. Yeah, yeah. So, shall but, yeah. we talk about the actual like the uh, character arcs in these episodes? Yeah, sure. Um, God, I don't want to. I don't want to. Let's just. I don't want to talk about Ezra right now. If that's okay, okay. Fuck Ezra. Yeah. Can we talk about the Zeb Callus episode? Yes, largely. Please. Yeah, because I found that really nice. I like yeah. that, and I like the d- discussion they have between each other about stereotyping the other. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's it's a conversation that we often don't have in a black and white story that is star wars but this is a really nice undercut of that narrative in the show that there is good in the the badness and bad in the good essentially and i found it really affecting actually to see callus uh reconciling with the shit that the empire does and then Zeb, in the way that Zeb questions him on thinking about the reasons or trying to find out the reasons why the Empire does these things and questioning the rationality that he gets from the propaganda. So I found this a really nice episode and exercise in character development and growth between the two of them. It kind of hinges on this thing that Keller says that we all have things we would like to forget it doesn't matter which side we're on and that just humanizes the empire <laughs> like to such a to such an extent at the center is like the Lassart in a way and when zeb obviously finds out that callus has his weapon as kind of as as a as a like out of out of respect for being bested by his opponent it adds another another layer and it makes like him respect Callus in a different way and see him in a different light because up until this point they were the two that always kind of like had this mortal enemy kind of vibe between the two of them. They would, you know, single combat in the middle of battle, which is obviously the most ridiculous thing that always happens in television. But yeah. it in this episode I think is a really nice inversion of that and them learning to respect one another and then as you said humanizing the empire which is amazing to see and maybe not humanizing the infrastructure of the empire but individuals within that empire yeah and it's great honestly yeah and then of course at the very end we see callus ta- taunts zeb throughout like oh do you really think your friends are gonna come back and rescue you that's bullshit it's never gonna happen and then in the end it's him who like his absence wasn't even noticed and nobody cares about him. And that's yeah. just, oof. That, that's, that's, like, makes you think. Yeah, juxtaposing how 
Zeb is received by his friends and Callus mm-hmm. is coldly received or Callus is <laughs> callously received by the Empire. <laughs> I'm so good. It is a really nice I don't want to take I don't want that silly joke to come to undercut my point that is that juxtaposing those two things shows how dry and sad and cold the life of the Empire can be mm-hmm. and how that alienates certain people. And Zeb, on the other hand, is being welcomed by those who love him and that family that we've talked about with the with rebels is that you know this crew is an extension of a family and that family is warm and embracing of people and it also further highlights the difference between the rebellion at large and the empire so it's great yeah and i like the i like the restraint of the show in this episode because they could have had a really sappy ending like they did with the uh the sabine episode like, oh, we're friends now. And I think, yeah. no, that's not how that happens. It's, it's just like, it's maybe a start of something. And like, it, it definitely changed their relationship. Yeah, it's it's not like they are now best buds and they have like a, like a call every week. Yeah, no, I thought this was a very, I think it's honestly one of the best episodes of the series up until this point. Yeah. Um, my, I mean, maybe I think it's actually even better written than the last two episodes. Um, the last two episodes are much more affecting and interesting, but it also has a lot of bullshit in <laughs> yeah. the in the um, Inquisitors in particular. Oh my god! Yeah. But this one is just solid, beginning to end is really nicely written, and I love the different questions that they bring up and the mm-hmm. way that they handle it, and it's it's a really good episode, honestly. Yeah, so that's kind of what endeared me to Zeb more. And because he also knows what it is like to be in the military. Yeah. Like in, in an actual military, not in like a paramilitary like the rebels are in a way. Yeah. Yeah, because he obviously he was the uh, the leader of the guard and everything. And so he knows kind of what Callus, like the structure that Callus is in too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think in a, in a way this, this whole... Um, you know, weapon as a gift because you have defeated your enemy thing. It kind of just changes the the, the perception really well because, in a way, Zeb just thought Callus is like a like racist towards Lasat, but actually he only got that he ha- has had some like traumatic experiences with specific Lasat, and but the the reason he got his weapon was basically because of Lasat culture. Which is just such a such a subtle change of narrative, like just I mean it's like as subtle as a, as a one eighty can be. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean it it just reframes his entire personality as yeah. someone instead stealing something off the dead corpse of someone instead of honorably getting something and using it in a pseudo level of respect for the person who he defeated. Exactly. And you pointed it out um, when we were just talking about the characters in general, but I found it very astonishing how similar the uh, episode 19 sur- uh, centered on Chopper was to this one. And I really liked it as well. That's a great episode. Yeah. I really like that this episode, honestly. Um Okay, should we just transition to that? That was my transition, yes. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it's funny, like, uh, AP5 and, and Chopper are kind of like 
they, you have the R2 C3PO dynamic again. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah just yeah. But very Smoke, different personalities. Uh, yeah. I love these these two together as a as a pair. They're so funny the way that they like, especially AP five. I love him as a droid. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's great. And he's such a good stand-in for the uh, mistreatment of droids and the lack of respect and regard f- for droids in the Star Wars universe because it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's graded on a curve here, but it's still. Or rather, there are, there are some differences, but it doesn't really ma- matter whether you're the Republic or the you're the Empire. You're not very affectionate towards the droids. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's only a few people who actually care about their droids. They are our heroes. Yeah, which is funny because, like, if you think about it, this whole thing only happens because Chopper's needs aren't taken seriously by the crew of the Ghost. Yeah. I think Hera even says later on, oh, Chopper is always so selfish and everything. It's like, yeah, but really, is he? I mean, as we as we said before, he can be kind of an asshole, but I've, I really felt for him when he's like, the leg, if you want, like, it's right there. It takes you five minutes to get yeah. that. You can Less just go shopping five for five minutes and then steal the fuel. Yeah. It's honestly, you're right, actually. And he proves his unselfishness in the end by giving up that leg. To yeah. save AP5. So he, in the end, uh, it's no, it's really nice. I think the way the Hera was complaining about Chopper to me reminded me of like a parent complaining about their child. Yeah. Just like when they do something silly or just whatever. It's based on something, you know, they're just f- out of frustration more than anything else and love mm-hmm. in a weird way. I like the, uh, I like the touch that both Chopper and AP5 were involved in the Ryloth campaign of the Republic. That was that was so great. Again, like exchanging war stories, but in a di- totally different way. Yeah, it's amazing. Honestly, it's it's really touching to see. It's always funny to me how like Chopper beats up the uh, the Imperial officer <laughs> every time, and it's, especially when he like uses his little pincer arms and he just smacks he just turns around really quickly and just smacks 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 <laughs> him in the face that was hilarious yeah chopper beating up on the like humans are so funny so good and i was really really sad because i thought that ap5 wouldn't make it when he gets destroyed at the end it's like oh wow this is like really affecting like i am i'm really sad now <laughs> Yeah, how do you think about that? Because I also was very like, oh my god, this is a huge thing. But then I really liked AP5, so I was happy that he was brought back to life. But again, the gut punch was kind of taken aback in the last second. So how do you feel about, would you prefer they actually killed off AP5? I think in a, in a sense, yes. It's not it's not so much about AP5 himself, but about Chopper. Because like finally has like a, like a droid friend. Mm-hmm. And that get, then gets taken away from him. That would be a really heartbreaking. Um, and I hope he makes an appearance in the future and they can hang out a little bit. I love how AP5, when Chopper called him his friend, he was like taken aback by it. But it yeah. was so fundamentally, in, he meant it meant so much to him that like when then he immediately called himself Chopper's friend on the radio to Hera. And it was so touching. I really, really liked AP5 as a character. Yeah, and that's kind of I don't know that that I mean not to get too real here, but I feel like that is kind of the uh, 
like a hallmark of people who have uh, maybe ha been in abusive relationships. Yeah. Where like maybe at first they they were like, "What you like? You're my friend. What? What? What?" And then they sometimes sometimes it can it, it just means the world to the, to them when there's like some genuine connection with someone who doesn't treat them like shit. And like Chopper is kind of the friend. It is like so is like as friendly to AP5 as he is to no one else. Right. <laughs> Which is just great. It's like his re he I guess he and Hera have the most special relationship, and then after that, it's he and AP Five. All the other ghost crew people could fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was just a really nice episode too. I really I w I didn't see that coming at all. I was wondering at some point whether there was going to be a Chopper episode, but at, at this point, I thought they're never going to do it. Yeah, it was nice to get. And then one of the things I found funny was that like the whole rebellion was. D depending on chopper at some point and kanan was just like oh fuck <laughs> we're screwed basically i love that little yeah but chopper joke. always saves the day that's the thing he always like, he does, does it, all, yeah. he does all the crucial work and never gets thanked for it exactly ah he's great yeah chopper's the best what's interesting though about these four episodes these these this half of the season we actually have like you know, few strong episodes, right? So mm. you have the Zeb Callus episode, which I think is strong. The Chopper AP5 episode, which is good. The 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 season finale, the two-part season finale is obviously like, is what it is. And I don't know how you felt though about the visions um, when they go into the Jedi Temple in episode 18. Yeah. I, I think Ahsoka's vision is very amazing, I think. When we mentioned it earlier with the, you know, uncovering the guilt that she holds within her heart about mm. leaving the Jedi Temple or leaving the Jedi Order. Um, I had a question for you, though, about Ezra's vision. Yeah. <laughs> Why the fuck does Yoda look like that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I knew that was coming because that's definitely, like, that's a huge point in my notes. And so my retcon was that that's how Ezra imagines Yoda to be after, like, the description that was given to him. But then Ahsoka sees him too that way. And yeah. then, then my whole theory just went to shambles. But yeah, I don't know. That was so off-putting to me. And if they had, if they had, you know, Ahsoka glances at Yoda and he looks like the actual Yoda, then I would have been, oh, that's kind of subtle. I like that. But that way, it just totally threw me off, and I couldn't really. Half of my brain was just uh, continuously like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why is he looking that way? And like, I couldn't really focus on what they said yeah i think they were trying to animate him to look more like star wars episode 5 yoda instead of the prequels slash clone wars i think they're trying to like create this this gap in time where he aged significantly and looks a lot older yeah but i mean the the clone wars yoga yoda looks way more than the yoda in episode 5 than this one does yeah yeah for sure no i'm not i'm not saying that's they did it to any degree of efficacy yeah, but I think that's what they're trying to do because it's a little bit skinnier, right? A little bit rounder. The ears are a little pointier. These things that, like, I think are some of the subtle differences between the what we have typically known as Yoda and then see episode five Yoda. But I mean, his face, his, his face, face is all is fucked is up. Just, yeah. it's, it's way more human in a way. I yeah, didn't it's like weird. that. No, the animators of this show have a lot of questions to answer, honestly. Yeah. 
At first, I got really excited when this episode started because I thought that for a second they'd go to Dagobah. And I was like, how do they know he's on Dagobah? But no, they just went to the temple. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I liked, I liked the, like, what I think it was Kanan who said, like, yeah, new problem, new door. Yeah. And I like Kanan's, uh, I, I like Kanan's vision too. Yeah, I like Kanan's vision and Ahsoka's vision. Ezra's vision was like. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I, yeah, I like the message that Kanan gets about him not being able to protect Ezra from the dark side yeah. and him being a, an, an incomplete master. And it's, again, it's a reflection of the things that he feels about himself, the self-doubt that he carries with him, this inadequacy he do, he has. And it's a, it was a little bit weird that the Grand Inquisitor, who, wh- who becomes the Grand Inquisitor, ends up knighting him as a Jedi. And that yeah. was weird, honestly. But I, I understand... You know, it's him coming into his own confidence to a certain extent. And, but he still maintains this self doubt that he kind of lives with forever, basically. And you see in episode 20, he is pushing Ezra even more and more because of this vision that he had. So it's a direct consequence of the vision. Yeah. But it, you know, so I, I actually, I, but I did like the vision that he, he carries with him in this temple or he finds in this temple. That first sequence in episode 20 that you just mentioned where Kanan pushes Ezra really, really hard, that was that was kind of why I thought that something was going to happen to him because I, that was so ominous in a way. Well, honestly, like, when you tell someone you love that you, I promise we'll see each other yeah, again. Yeah, that too. Like, that was a very oh, yeah. Game of Thrones moment. Like, nope, yeah. you're never going to see each other again. And I, I guess he will never see her again in a way. Yeah. I mean that's uh, clearly using that nuance yeah. uh, against them there, but I I like that one honestly. But episode twenty, other than that, I didn't. It just did nothing for me. It did absolutely nothing for me. The whole spider subplot. It was almost like a monster of the week type episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a a filler episode where that nothing really of consequence happens. Yeah, and like Rex was there, and Sabine had a little thing, and that was nice. But it's like, oh, whatever. I don't care about this at all. So should we talk about Hera now? Because she can, she has her own episode too that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And so obviously, obviously, in episode sixteen, with the apt title Homecoming, she returns to Ryloth and meets her father for the first time in years. Uh, well-known resistance leader, Cham Sundula. And Numa and Gobi are there too, people we know from Bad Batch. And speaking of that, it was really, really weird to me watching this episode after having seen the Bad Batch. I don't know, it was just the all the back and forth between uh, Hera and Cham were like pretty good, except for the sappy end. That was a little... Uh, no, really. Like everything's good, everything's forgiven. It's like nothing that it doesn't happen that way. If you you haven't spoken in years for a reason and you don't don't just forgive each other after your father tried to double cross you and leave you on a fucking imperial ship to try to blow it up. Yeah, it's that's not it's how that not, works. Yeah. I really wonder though what Chom did to really alienate her. Mm-hmm. Um because we figure we we do get from her dialogue that their mother does die in the early stages of the rebellion. So I'm wondering like how, what happens there? And I think Bad Batch will give us more of that. I would imagine it would give us something up to, to clue us into Hera and Cham's discord, I guess. I think it is, I th- what Hera says or alludes to 
in this episode anyway is that basically he neglected her and always put the put uh the rebellion first or the resistance or whatever you want to call it yeah i think there just there must have been some sort of beyond just regular neglect something that pushed them apart in particular so i'm wondering yeah. what that is and are we gonna see i don't think we'll see more here but i want to see more in bad batch because like, yeah. i think that's the perfect timeline for that i mean i wonder if we'll actually see her mother die in bad batch Oh, interesting. Yeah, pro I, c I could imagine that because they've been so good at like integrating this. They'll, they'll definitely return to Ryloth at some point and maybe even her mother dies and she goes with the Bad Batch somewhere else and does her own thing. Yeah, so like, a couple things have to maybe happen. She has to get off of Ryloth somehow as well. So I guess we'll find out. And maybe the, like, she'll end up meeting Kanan at some point mm -hmm. in Bad Batch, I wonder. And that's how, how like her arc in Bad Batch ends. But speaking of Kanan, it was really funny that like Kanan meets the parent or like the father anyway. That was like a really <laughs> cute little subplot there. Yeah, it was it was cute. The way he like sucks up to him at the beginning, very similar to how anyone sucks up to the parent of like yeah. another significant <laughs> other. It's it's exactly. so telling. I really like their relationship, honestly. Like I like how it's depicted. It's not over the top. You can tell that it's emotional and has a lot of the same beats that any romantic relationship does, but it's not like they're super touchy-feely, lovey-dovey all the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess they do, they don't they don't live in the right circumstances for that either, but obviously like there are different relationships. I don't know if you caught that, but uh what I thought was a nice touch that a few like a few scenes after basically Hera returned home and after a few exchanges with her father she slips back into like her the french Ryloth, accent the twi like accent yeah exactly yeah. i thought that, that was a really nice touch yeah i noticed that as well and then like when she's arguing with him she switches and then she switches back when um she actually like tells him off and tells him to fuck off basically and It's a really nice touch for her character. I found it fascinating because I always wondered to myself, like, oh, why doesn't she have the same accent anymore? And it's it's essentially intentional. Yeah. And even though I said, you know, I don't really like the sappy ending, I still think in that moment, Hera is the more emotionally mature of the two. Oh, by a billion years. Yeah. And so go Hera. She's the best. Yeah, she's awesome. Honestly, though, this part of the season is actually, I would say, pretty strong um, yeah. for Rebels. It's obviously graded on a curve here. Um, but we have episodes that I think that are pretty solid, some good character development. We have blow-your-brains-out moments with Maul and Vader coming out and mm. um, Ahsoka. We have a lot of Ahsoka, so that's great. <laughs> and we do have like a shitty episode in episode 20, which I don't mm. think we need to talk about, honestly. No. But one um, one bad episode in seven for Rebels is the best we've had so far, I think. Yes, yes, it's the best we've had so far by by a lot, honestly. And it's it's really interesting because it's like a strong run of episodes. And while, I mean, this may be sacrilegious to say, while while the highs are not nearly as high as Clone Wars, that you also don't have some of the arcs that we like are just like kind of boring i guess like you don't have the banking clan arcs and like things like that are just a little bit on the side uh that are less interesting but you have characters that are more interesting inherently because you have anakin and obi-wan around in ahsoka so 
I don't know. It's a, it's interesting to look at the two. They're completely different structures, obviously, but I'd say this, this part of the season two has been the best by far so far. So, yeah, I think that just like one of the reasons for that is also that there aren't that many multi episode arcs in this show. So if something's bad, it doesn't drag on for three or four episodes. It's just like one bad episode and then you go on to the next one. Yeah. And that can be bad. The next one could be bad too, but in a different way at least. So at least there's some change. Um but not not this time. And it's funny that it comes uh just before, you know, the season finale in a way. But I think uh, they saved the best for last essentially, so. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that oh, makes sense. Oh, they honestly. definitely did. So I guess we can just briefly talk about Kanan and Ezra here. I guess I, I guess Kanan, we talked a little bit about him with his um so insecurities and then obviously Ezra the most interesting thing about him is what happens near the end in terms of yeah that oh my god is he gonna turn to the dark side like what's the pull there like that's obviously foreshadowed and obviously he makes a huge connection with Maul and I find that interesting and we see Maul is alive at the end of this so what's gonna happen with Maul what's gonna happen with Ezra how is this all gonna intertangle with one another to find out the quest, the answers to these questions, tune in next time to Serially Hooked. Where we'll be watching episodes one through seven of season three of Rebels. So if people like this show and would like to help out, uh, what what way is there for people to do that, Rashad? Just rate and review us, subscribe, all the above. Just give us five stars. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the fuck you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and if you want to reach out, there are like many, many ways, uh, all of which you can find at seriallyhooked.com. Seriallyhooked.com. It's not like we've been doing this for a long time, you know? I still can't get used to actually hitting the record button. Yeah, it's weird. But okay, today we can just, you know, no no chit-chat. Let's get straight into it. Yeah, let's let's do it. So we just finished the um, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're so good at this. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> I'm talking. You're, there is you're no not, audio. You're not muted. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not muted. But I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Hello. Oh, that's weird. I guess so I guess strange. this is the show now. I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> Welcome to Serially Hooked with Chris, I guess. <laughs>